Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Oh, you can feel the momentum building for this really huge matchup Saturday morning in Tiger Stadium. Good afternoon, everyone. Happy Friday, October 7th, the year 2022. Hope you're having a great day. It's warm, but the sun is out. Oh, it's a beautiful chamber of commerce day, and hopefully it'll be that way tomorrow in Tiger Stadium. Baseball taking center stage. Wild card. Game one. Cleveland beats Tampa Bay 2-1. to one. Cleveland leads that best of three series. One zip. Playing now in the top of the fourth. My St. Louis Cardinals and the Philadelphia Phillies are scoreless. Uh, later on this evening, it'll be Seattle at Toronto at around 3.07 first pitch. And then tonight, San Diego at the New York Mets. We'll keep you up to speed on all of that. Um, the New Orleans Saints are at home Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks, and there will be no Michael Thomas for this game. Jarvis Landry is questionable, but Dennis Allen feels very good about his ability to suit up and play on Sunday. And... At starting quarterback, once again, it'll be Andy Dalton as Jameis Winston not yet ready uh, to roll. So uh, we'll keep you up to speed on all of that. Anyway, um, my main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studio, spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons. Uh, he's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're on 1041 in Lake Charles, we are streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in Acadiana and you buy a television set, just pop it on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, if you're going to be in Tiger Stadium tomorrow for the LSU-Tennessee game, you may, if you're a female, you may want to bring a little uh, uh, a little uh, extra powder, you know, and a little brush in your purse because you might be an extra in a movie that's going to be filmed there called The Mascot. Yes, The Mascot. This is uh, after losing his football scholarship, a quarterback who, quote, had it all in high school, tries to save face and seek redemption in college by doing something he never imagined, becoming the mascot. That's the basic plot for The Mascot, a movie that will be partially filmed Saturday at LSU, Tennessee, in Tiger Stadium. So just a heads up, always know where the camera is. Brian Kelly and his family are donating $1 million to the Tiger Athletic Foundation earmarked for the renovation of LSU's athletic training room. I like that. Putting your money where it helps, and that is for your student-athletes, not only football, but every sport 
at LSU. It's time to modernize. It's time to get bigger. It's time to get better. And Brian Kelly trying to help that out. Do you remember a guy by the name of Chad Ochocinco? Remember him? Yeah. Well, guess what? Uh, The trash-talking six-time Pro Bowl receiver who spent 11 seasons in the NFL? Well, uh, on Thursday... He issued a challenge of his own inviting anyone willing to race him for a duel at LSU. Any Here's the, twi- the tweet. Any track athletes on LSU campus that want to race tomorrow, please see me. 100 meters, 200 meters, 400 meters, 5K for anybody who can beat me. I don't care what your resume looks like. I'm Ocho. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. What? But uh, his daughter is a rising track track prospect who's won two Florida State championships in the 800 meters. Why he's on LSU's campus, I have no clue. Uh, But I'm sure there are a few LSU athletes that could take him on and take him to school. Ocho Cinco. Again, um, Cleveland beats Tampa Bay game one of the wild card in the American League. Two to one. St. Louis, Philly. Two outs in the top of the fourth. Philly at bat. uh, Scoreless along that. The Miami Dolphins say that Tua is not traveling with the team. He is um, sitting home on this one. And and rightly so. And rightly so. So uh, there you go with that. We got a busy show planned for you and for yours today. It's a football Friday, of course. Uh, Koki Riley will join us here in just a few minutes, and we'll talk LSU and Tennessee. We'll go through the keys to victory, and uh, we'll get his thoughts on who's going to win and how they're going to do it. Larry Holder will join us from The Athletic. We'll talk about the New Orleans Saints. Did anybody see that uh, snoozer of a NFL football game last night? Um, I mean, that was was pretty bad as – Indianapolis beat Denver in overtime 12 to 9. Ooh, these Thursday night games are not really that viewable. You know, they're just not that viewable. So, anyway, Larry Holder will join us. Uh, we'll talk about the Saints injury report and we'll talk about what they have to do in, um, in order to get a win over Seattle. Adam Spencer will join us at 3 o'clock from Saturday down south. Nice slate of games in the SEC, including Arkansas at Mississippi State, Texas A&M at Bama, and the big one of all, Tennessee at LSU. We'll get his thoughts on that. George Faust will join us, another edition of Fridays with Faust. No, no UL game this weekend, but some really good high school football games, including a matchup of unbeatens. Turlings Catholic at 5-0 and travels to Westgate, who is also five and oh we'll get his thoughts on that and some of the other big high school games and then george becknell james mesh and i will do our normal we'll pick about nine or ten games uh and give you our thoughts and give you our projections as to who will win that's all coming up today on a football friday don't forget the game wants you to face your worst nightmares by hooking you up with tickets to one of the top haunted attractions in the country the 13th gate. Just text the word gate to 337-283-8100 to enter to win a pair of general admission passes. That's gate to 337-283-8100. Get your scare on this Halloween season 
at the 13th Gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions and The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. LSU, Tennessee. When we return, this is the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Shales. Your home for the LSU Tigers. We'll kick it off tomorrow at 11 a.m. Uh, pre-game show starts at 9 here on 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We'll be right back. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, here we go. 14 minutes after the hour. Let's get into it on this football Friday. LSU, Tennessee, 11 o'clock tomorrow inside Tiger Stadium. You can listen to it here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Cokie Riley covers LSU football for the USA Today Sports South Region with the Daily Advertiser. Always has some good insight to things. So, Cokie, how are you feeling about this LSU uh, opportunity against the eighth-ranked team in the country tomorrow? I think we're going to learn about a lot about both teams. Um, I think overall that's sort of my thoughts about this matchup, but let's sort of get into the uh, granular uh, with this game. All right, so um, what are we going to learn about LSU, and uh, how do you think this is going to play out for them? I, I think we're going to learn if this team, I, I don't want to sound overly dramatic, if this team is good or not. Um, okay. because Tennessee's the best team they've faced so far this season. Um, no we're going we're gonna to be able to tell if this passing game can truly take advantage of this Tennessee defense. Um, mm. And on the flip side, we're going to learn how good is this defense really. They're going up against uh, probably arguably the best uh, offense in the entire country in Tennessee. So um, those are some pretty big tests uh, for both yeah. sides and for completely different reasons. Um, both sides of the ball for LSU, and for again completely different reasons. So uh, that's the sort. Of, that's what I'm expecting uh, right. to, to see. And, and right now, I, I, I feel like I, I feel like it's going to be a pretty good game. But um, uh, and there are definitely paths for LSU to victory. But I, I feel like the paths are more clear and, and more abundant uh, for Tennessee heading into a game like this. But you never know. This is yeah. going to be a really interesting matchup. Absolutely. It seems to me it's um, it's strength against strength and weakness against weakness. And by that, I mean LSU off, LSU's offense hasn't been that good. And Tennessee's defense, particularly their pass defense, is is not very good at all, whereas Tennessee's offense is outstanding. And I think LSU's defense has proven, although they've gotten behind a little bit, they've made the proper adjustments and they've shut teams down. So it seems like strength versus strength, weakness versus weakness. Maybe the weakness factor is the one that decides who wins this thing. I, I think you're 100% correct, right? Um, with this LSU offense, it's been, they haven't been totally incompetent. They haven't been 128th out of 131 teams right. in pass offense like Tennessee is with their pass defense, right? Right, um, right. But at the same time, they're also coming off a game where they only had 85 passing yards uh, against an Auburn defense that's been okay. Um, so I, it's it's just a, it's just a it's just an interesting matchup. But it's also 
um, it's hard to have a ton of confidence that they're just going to turn. The Ellis is just going to turn around in one game like that. Right. Um, you know, it's, and it's not like oh, we can improve our communication a little bit here and there, like it is with some of the past defense woes they had this past week. Right. It's it's timing. It's precision. It's confidence in your receivers. It's a quarterback who needs to be able to read the field better. It, it's so many different things that require time. Right. And hard. Mm-hmm really fix that in a week but heck you never know it's college football so um i, I wouldn't be surprised this lsu offense still takes takes advantage of this tennessee defense because maybe this tennessee uh pass defense is truly that bad um but either way like i mean i think coming in the last week i thought Auburn's pass defense was was pretty poor so and they couldn't take advantage of that so i mean you know maybe i'm just blowing smoke i don't know what i'm talking about hopefully i do um, but, uh, yeah, it's, I think all that stuff definitely to look out for heading into this game. It's a fine-edged sword, uh, Koki Riley, uh, joining us from the Daily Advertiser, because I can't imagine LSU coming out trying to prove a point that they can throw the football, and they're going to throw it up in the air and 50-50 balls and let the receivers go up and prove that they're much better than the secondary. They've got to control the ball. I mean, they got to keep Tennessee's – offense on the sideline so everybody talks about the passing game to me man lsu's got to figure out a way to run it against a defense that's pretty stingy against the run because you don't want to go three and out and let tennessee get back on the field and and wear your defense out but as we've learned with this lsu team they're just not designed to turn out these 10 play 80 yard drives that eat up six minutes of the clock, right? They have to play with tempo. They have to play with pace because this team plays better on both sides of the ball when they're not thinking as much and they're not being overly granular and uh, that quote-unquote paralysis by analysis sort of uh, distinction. Um, Koki Raleigh with us. LSU's going to have about 66 recruits coming in for the game Saturday. One official visitor, 15 players currently committed to LSU and a whole bunch of other ones as well. So it's time to put their best foot forward on this one. Um, Hendon Hooker. Uh, mm. Matt House has done a terrific job um, as the defensive coordinator, and the players seem to have bought in, and they, they, I think they've gotten incrementally better each and every week. Um, what do you do against a Hendon Hooker and this high-profile uh, offense that Tennessee has? What do you think he comes up with? Oh, I look at the numbers, I watch some of the tape, um, and it's hard to find a real weakness with this Tennessee offense as a whole, let alone with Hendon Hooker, because Hooker can run with the football, he's a very efficient runner, he's a very, he's a very effective runner. Um, I believe, just off the top of my head, he's the number uh, two leading rusher on this team, and as a passer, he's fantastic. I mean, uh, over 70% completion percentage this season, this season and is and his A dot, his uh, average yards per attempt, air yards per attempt is, um, I believe, it's over ten yards. So he he pushes the ball down the field. He's an excellent runner, and he's very efficient when he throws the ball and when he mm-hmm. runs the ball as well. So it, <laughs> that's a lot of good um, yeah. and not a lot of bad. So no. I I think the best way to disrupt that is to just is is just the formula for any. Um, I, 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 that you have to have as a defense for any really good quarterback and just to get to the quarterback with with four, hopefully, and to confuse him and to make him uncomfortable, right? And this LSU right. defense, thankfully, that front seven 
um, and Matt House and that team has done a good job of doing that this season. So uh, that's what you sort of have to lean on if you're LSU's defense in this game because um, it's going to be hard to consistently win those one-on-one matchups, which Kelly's talked a little bit about this week, because they just have so much talent on the outside, even if Cedric Tillman isn't going to play in this game, which sounds like he's not, um, although that's not official. Uh, but either way, even if he does play, he'll be hurt. So, yes, the Dallas secondary has played well, but you don't want to lean on them too much at this game um, because, again, they're going up against that the best receiving court that they've played against this season. So right. they're going to need to be able to be multiple. They're going to need to be able to be uh, put pressure on Hendon Hooker and just make him uncomfortable uh, both schematically and heck physically in the pocket. So it, that's, it's a lot to ask either way because – like this Tennessee offensive line's been pretty good. Their run, their running game when they do run the ball in those lighter boxes has been has been pretty effective. Um, again, they make deep they make deep plays. They're efficient in the passing game. It's really hard to find like a true weakness with this team. So uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a major major challenge. But I, I will say this, this LSU defense is probably the best defense that um, Tennessee has faced this season. So. It, mm-hmm. that's something to keep in mind as well. Yeah, Cokie Riley, kind enough to join us. Uh, busted coverages. We saw that against Auburn. Brian, uh, Coach Kelly said in his um, radio show last night that the problem wasn't scheme or personnel, but focus and attention to detail. So that tells me uh, that's fixable. Hopefully they've done that this week and will fix that. Um, so that these Tennessee receivers don't just run all over the place. But I've always felt with a runner or a quarterback that can throw it and run it, man, you got to have a spy on him. And maybe, maybe the perfect spy is Harold Perkins with his speed and side to side mobility. He just seems like to be the perfect fit. Yeah, I think I, they used Perkins a little bit as an Ashford spy last week. I saw him at least on one play where. He was. It looked like it was pretty. He was pretty obviously being used as a spy. Mm-hmm. But the problem with the the Auburn game really was too many eyes were in the backfield to watch Ashford as a runner. And throughout the entire week, I think Brian Kelly's even said this that it, they were they were so concentrated on stopping the run um, that yeah. included Ashford as a runner himself. That anytime he broke contain or you know anytime they were threatening to run the ball, LSU LSU secondary was even triggering to the ball and. Um, they were, and that was, they were just doing that too much um, in that game. Like you, as you saw with, especially with the first touchdown, uh, they, 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 it was just going too quickly to the line of scrimmage, and instead of actually, um, and then letting Ashford make a play with his arm. And Ashford played better than I thought he would. I think we should give some credit to Auburn in that they made some plays, some of those bigger plays. Uh, like the throw over over B.J. Larry's head, that was just a good throw. The throw over Perkins, kind of in the double coverage, that was just a good throw. So I, I think, yes, there were coverage mistakes, and I think most of it had to do with just uh, triggering to the ball too quickly when Ashford, anytime Ashford left the pocket or there was a threat, threat of a run from him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I feel like if they can clean that specific thing up and if Joe Fusha specifically can just play better, and hopefully he's um, playing. He feels a little bit more comfortable this week after last week was his first game. Then, then they won't have as many busts. But there's going to be 
a couple mistakes in this game. Tennessee's just too talented on offense, I think. They have too many ways to beat you and too many explosive player plays, players who can make plays downfield. So either way, you have to be prepared. So, um, yeah, it's just about limiting those big plays. Uh, Koki Raleigh, USA Today for the Daily Advertiser. Speaking of um, some news, Chris Hilton uh, suffered a shoulder subluxation on two or three occasions. Uh, they uh, LSU decided to get it surgically repaired now, so he'll be back for spring ball. So he, Chris Hilton, uh, not available for the rest of this season. Everything for LSU hinges upon Jaden Daniels and how he performs. We've seen him run it incredibly well. We've seen him be very, very, um, what's the proper word, conservative throwing the football. LSU's made a, a point of mentioning all week long that he needs to let it loose a little bit more. Um, boy, that's a fine line, isn't it? You don't want him to get, become reckless and just throw it up there and uh, you get picked off. Uh, but he's he's been so good as the quarterback, even without throwing the ball for big yardage. What do you anticipate LSU's plan is offensively tomorrow? Ooh, good question. Um, I, I think that they're going to want to test out this Tennessee secondary as much as possible. And I know you mentioned that this offense needs to stay on the field more, but again, they, they, they have to concentrate on playing to their strengths. And yeah. their strengths happen to, to – it, it happens to bleed right into Tennessee's weakness. So I, I think they have to press the easy button as much as possible in a game like this. And um, they can't rely on their defense as much as they did against Auburn. And right. It, it, they, I think they should rely on their defense in terms of, you know, them holding on and not, you know, giving up 50 points or 40 points in this game. But they can't rely on them to give up 10 or 15 or 17 right. or 14 points in this game. It's, that's right. just not possible. Like Tennessee, I don't know. I, I think they've scored at least 30 points in almost every game Heupel's played in. So I think you can it, you can put them down for 30-something points. It's whether LSU can get there uh, mm-hmm. up, up to 30-something-ish points um, on offense. That's the real question of this game and uh, really for both sides. So I, I, I feel like you got to be – somewhat aggressive with the pass game. You, you have to be able to expose that Tennessee secondary. Um, they, I don't think they'll totally abandon the run, uh, but you know, just finding ways to get the ball to their playmakers easily, um, okay. and that will hopefully open up some shots deeper down the field, or, or, or maybe they can do the reverse. So, I don't know. I, I feel like it's just going to be pass-heavy for both sides because – yeah, you know, that's right, the, that's the way Tennessee likes to play, and that's the way LSU should play given the matchup. So it'll yeah, be interesting. Okay. All right, uh, push comes to shove. Let's get uh, Koki Riley's um, final prediction for this one. Yeah, I I have Tennessee just because, and the more I thought about it, the more I actually think it's going to be a closer matchup than maybe some others think, um, uh, just because of how interesting. Interestingly, the, the sort of the strengths and weaknesses line up in this game, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I just feel like Tennessee has has a larger margin for error. Uh, I feel like their offense is is no doubt about it, superstar, in, incredible, um, producing machine um, that really doesn't have any weaknesses. This LSU defense is, has been very good, but 
has had has hasn't been perfect either. Um, right. And then you look at the flip side. Uh, this LSU offense has just not looked good against Power Five opponents. And and, and yes, this Tennessee secondary has been really poor this season. But this LSU off. But how much confidence do you really have that this LSU offense is just going to turn around right. that quickly after one week? After a poor week against uh, kind of a like a weak-ish, at least a weak-ish secondary in Auburn like that. So it's just a lot LSU has to turn around, even if they do have the matchups to potentially win this game. Um, yeah, I have Tennessee winning by, I think, a touchdown. So, um, okay. yeah, that's sort, of what's, that's sort of what I'm thinking heading into this one. I gotcha. All right, uh, Koki Riley. Um, you'll actually have a Saturday night, man. You can actually go do something. There's, there's, there's pluses, <laughs> positives when you play in the morning like this. So, thank you for your time and and have a great weekend, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Jordy. All right, buddy. You take care. That's Koki Riley, USA Today, and the Daily Advertiser. Time for you to warm up your dancing legs for the official run and duathlon of Festival Acadian et Creole. Race through Lafayette's historic district and end up at Girard Park for Festival Acadian and Creole on Sunday, October 16th. Compete in the 5K or 10K or the run, paddle run in the duathlon. Taking part in the event helps support local parks, community projects, and the festival that you love. Volunteer or register at latrail.org. That's latrail.org. Dot org. Um, baseball update. Uh, bottom of the fifth. Scoreless. Philly. St. Louis. Runs are at a premium in postseason baseball. Pitching is so good. So good. All right. We'll update that as well uh, throughout the course of the day and course of the show. When we return, Larry Holder will join us. We'll talk Saints, Seahawks, and the NFL after this timeout here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros who are waiting to see who the heck they're going to end up playing against and the LSU Tigers who have Tennessee tomorrow at 11. We'll be right back. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, let's shift gears to the National Football League as uh, week five approaches. Uh, scoreless still, bottom of the fifth, two out, St. Louis at bat uh, against the Philadelphia Phillies, Cleveland wins game one of their wildcard series earlier today, two to one. Larry Holder of The Athletic to talk all things Saints, all things NFL. Larry, good afternoon, sir. We missed you last week, but so thankful to get you this week. How are you? I'm good. Uh, yeah, I had a little uh, little quick trip to Gulf Shores. Um, nice. So I was able to uh, escape, but get back in time uh for Sunday football and uh, yeah, the NFL is um, man, it's as intriguing as it as ever, uh, given uh, really the parity in the league. I mean, I think that's yeah. that's kind of the big uh, takeaway so far. I mean, I feel like in the AFC, you knew some of the teams that were going to be good. They're good in the NFC. 
uh, outside of the Eagles, it's like parody everywhere. So definitely some interesting uh, – uh, that's where it, it, re- interesting storylines and scenarios through the first four weeks of the season. Who's your MVP of the league if you had to vote on it today? I would say Josh Allen. Okay. Uh, but I do think that there are, I would say, four candidates right now. Uh, so I, and you could – kind of argue depending on the order i'd say the four candidates are josh allen patrick mahomes jalen hurts and even though they lost last week and he didn't play great great uh but lamar jackson's in that conversation as well so it's uh uh, and as long as philadelphia keeps winning and jalen hurts is a major part of that there's no doubt he's going to be in the conversation no, and deservedly so no question larry holder of the athletic um you talked about the parody which makes this weekend's game for the Saints against Seattle so, so important. Man, two and three looks a heck of a lot better than one and four. You pinpoint, what the heck, what the heck's wrong with this team? But they have underachieved far greater than I ever anticipated. Well, they're turning the ball over too much. They're not creating enough turnover. Yeah. I mean, that's when you're minus seven in the takeaway margin, you're last in the league. And when you're a, you're averaging eight and a half penalties a game, which is 31st in the NFL. You're going to be a losing football team, and that's where the mm-hmm. Saints are. I mean, that's, they're not good enough to overcome some of that. And I get we're still a little bit uncertain at quarterback, and not completely healthy. Uh, you know, you think maybe after this week you can get uh, maybe completely healthy. You're hoping Jameis can come back or Mike Thomas can come back. We're assuming Alvin Kamara will play this week, which he will be a certain good addition, uh, but and I also just think that defensively you haven't you haven't played as well as maybe they had played in the past, and the offense isn't good enough to overcome some of that. So a lot of factors there, but I would say I would say the the most the, the most troubling aspects are the of the is the takeaway margin and the penalties. I mean that's just yeah. any team who does that doesn't matter how good you are, uh, you, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna be playing. Uh, basically fighting to be 500, and that's what the Saints are trying to do. Is that a direct reflection on the coaching staff? I mean, we've been talking about this for weeks now. They still turn the ball over. They still get an inordinate amount of penalties. How much blame is the coaches? How much blame are the players, or are they all in this thing 50-50? Yeah, I'd have to say they're all in it together just because you would assume that the players that they have – would uh, or are, are kind of beyond some of this stuff, and right. I think that's probably the mo- another troubling aspect. You have veteran players who have been there and done that, uh, and then look, you have those guys fumbling. I mean, look, even Andy Dalton. I mean, he fumbles at the end of the first half. Like, what? What the heck is that? Uh, you right. know. And so, I mean, this, and guess what? The Saints lost by three points, and, and uh, Minnesota was able to etch, etch out another field goal. Uh, and, yeah. and at the end of the first half, like you can't have that happen. And so, uh, and, and well, I know last week there was probably a couple of penalties where Saints fans are wondering what the heck is this. And like I would, I would agree that maybe one or two could you could certainly question, but still, mm-hmm. you can't question them all. I mean, they're no. they're making they're they're shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, that's just what it is. And so, uh, I look, I think. If you're a coaching staff, sure, you can emphasize blah, 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 but every team emphasizes that every week. I mean, ultimately, I think it more comes down to the players 
okay. and a lack of concentration, a lack of execution. And it's uh, there's only so much you can in you know ingrain in the person's brain. I mean, that's it, right. everybody knows football one on one, and that's part of it. Yeah. So I think uh, yeah. I'm looking more at the players just just not living up and not playing up to uh, what we expect out of them. Larry Holder of the Athletic. If the Saints don't turn the ball over, if they limit their cut their penalties in half. Are they better than the two and two Seahawks with Andy Dalton at quarterback without Michael Thomas? Are they better? I think they're a better overall team in general. Uh, you know, it's and it, it look Seattle's wins came against the Denver team that's not very good and the Falcons right. who are not the greatest. So, in, look, look, Geno Smith has played pretty well uh, and he's uh, played better than I thought he would play. But still, I, I think that the Saints overall. Um, when you go kind of top to bottom, I mean, the Saints are a better team. And then, uh, look, the Saints, also, they've got to be a little bit more uh, impressive at home. I mean, look, last year they were not very good at home. Uh, that needs to become a factor. And I think Saints fans, I think part of it also, you know, like Saints fans are a little indifferent with, with the way that the team is going right now. So, you know, to keep them in a game, you got to play well. And the Saints haven't played that well. But, uh, look, I do think, though, that, there's a reason why they're a five and a half point favorite. I mean, I that makes sense to me. Uh, and Saints uh, defense is still going to be one of the better units that the Seahawks have to go up against. So I, I think that uh, that the Saints overall, even with everything that's going on, I still think the Saints are a better team in Seattle. Okay, Larry Holder, the Athletic. Um, the addition of Kamara that that certainly helps. Um, uh, but you got to get him touches, and I and I think, I think the other player that really we, hasn't been utilized, and maybe it's because he's been hurt, uh, but he's the guy that gets the fans going, and that's Taysom Hill. What's his status? Yeah, I mean he's been a little banged up, and so I think the Saints have been kind of judicious in the way they've been using him. But also, uh, look, yeah, I mean he got he had some touches last week, but he didn't have any of these explosive plays. But look, I think the running game in general. I mean, you you basically mentioned two running backs in my eyes. Uh, and so you've got to get Kamara going. Uh, the Seahawks are not very good against the run. Uh, the Saints offensive line has got to get that aspect going to take a little heat off the uh, off the quarterback spot. And uh, look, this might be the week where it gets going. So, you know, and also, obviously, you want to have Kamara involved, not just in the run game, but in the pass game. But he's still one of the most dynamic weapons in the NFL. You get the ball in his hands, and then you see what happens. So I think the Saints... They've certainly lacked that element in the last couple of weeks with Alvin dealing with the rib injury. And so, you know, if you get him back on the field, uh, that you can use him. And then also you can involve Taysom Hill a little bit more. And so, uh, in general, though, they need to be able to be more effective on the ground. And, you know, the two players you just named, I mean, they've got to be uh, kind of one and maybe, I'm not going to say 1A because you still like to use Ingram, but, I mean, Taysom Hill's got to be a little bit involved. And he's also got to be yeah. involved in the passing game. I mean, give him a short I pass agree. and let him run. I agree 100%. All right, um, before we get on to another topic that I've got to get your viewpoint on, uh, it's time for the fearless Larry Holder prediction on this one. We let you skate last week, but I need you this week. Saints, Seahawks, what you got? Saints favored, what, five and a half? Yeah, good thing I skated because um, on uh, in our picks panel on the athletic, I did take the Vikings. So look, it's at least documented that uh, I got one right <laughs> in my life. Um, there you go. But, yeah, but I do think that the Saints are going to win this game. I'm not. I would not say. Uh, I wouldn't say that they cover, 
Uh, even though, look, obviously I could be wrong. I mean, hey, whatever. We all make picks. But no, I think the Saints, their offense still isn't, hasn't done enough for me to believe that they can really kind of run and gun. So uh, I'm going to go Saints 24, Seahawks 21. Very good. Larry Holder of The Athletic. Were you in Tiger Stadium on that uh, October Saturday in 2010 with the most bizarre crazy i was on the sideline it was the most bizarre mayhem filled finish to a game that i've ever seen were you there i was actually there in the stands one of the very few times i actually uh i was there with my wife we we were sitting in the opposite end zone so <laughs> as that happened so i remember i remember apologizing to tennessee fans after lsu won because it's like how did they pull this nonsense off <laughs> you, know, you know, so it's uh, but yeah, that was definitely a total bizarro game, and uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's one that sticks because uh, you're like, how did how did LSU just win this thing? Uh, so yeah, definitely one of the, one of the more bizarre games uh, uh, that we've seen in a while, and yeah, it was uh, it it was good to be there in person, but like I said, I think both fan bases, you know, you just like. What just happened? You felt bad that LSU won, but they won, and so you don't even know how to react. It's, it was it was a it was kind of a bizarre atmosphere. Les Miles and his clock management with no time and the clock running down, and he's sending in four and five wides off the sideline to get, and there's not enough time for it. And then you know you can't spell citrus without UT, but uh, UT didn't go to math class because they had thirteen on the. I've never seen anything like it to this day. Um, and it's amazing. Both head coaches are no longer coaching uh, as head coaches. And I, th- I think Dooley's now back on Nick Saban's staff as a as a consultant. And I don't know where the heck Les Miles is these days. I mean, you talk about go underground. I haven't heard a peep from anybody knowing where he is. Well, Les is probably uh, hiding out, considering everything that was is now attached to him after what's going on yeah. in LSU. So it's. Uh, yeah, I think it might be a minute or two before uh, before Les is uh, welcome at LSU, considering what they're still trying to uh, uh, kind of yeah. decipher, you know, some of the the findings and all that. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, that definitely is uh, is someone who's hiding out. I, I would no have question. to agree with you there. And but no, uh, just in this current matchup, though, I mean, look, I, I'm I'm ready to watch it. I'm intrigued. Uh, you know, I think Tennessee's a pretty good team, and LSU's yeah. getting a little bit better, and so I think it's. Uh, I'm okay with 11 o'clock a.m., but um, look, I'm old now, so I don't. You know, I'm not going out there and doing doing Jaeger bombs at like 5 a.m. So I think uh, I think I'm okay with the 11 o'clock shift. That's right. No, no Jaeger bombs. Oh my God, that's a scary, scary proposition. But I know there'll be many that do do it. They've sold it out. It's going to be a great crowd. It's going to be fun. What do you? Um, is I said it earlier. It's strength against strength and weakness against weakness. LSU's uh, weakness is their offense and their passing game. Tennessee's weakness is their pass defense. LSU's strength of late has been their defense. And, of course, Tennessee's strength is their offense. I mean, they're the best offense in the conference by far. Yeah, I like uh, the one game I really caught with Tennessee was when they played Florida. So I think that was was impressive to me. Uh, And so – uh, look, LSU's pass game, I think we all know, is certainly still a work in progress. Right. Uh, and, and that's, yeah, I just, 
it's hard for me to make a pick. I'm just, uh, you know, I, I, it's, I just, well, I feel, almost feel like it's a pick 'em game. I don't, I don't even know the spread off the top of my head, but I just Tennessee's feel like up it's, it's a pick two or three. I think Tennessee's right. favored three. Yeah, I mean, I could see it being a three point game. You know, something tight like that, and it, it, you know, I just think LSU defensively can can hang with Tennessee, and then maybe LSU can. Get some life out of out of that passing game, and so I don't know. I, I really think it's. I think you know, it's a big great what, game. You know, the fact if it's a neutral side, it's basically Vegas saying Tennessee's a six point favorite. But look, I think that it's. I really think it's a pick 'em game. I'm I'm going to be yeah. intrigued to watch it for sure. Yeah, I'm 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 of this belief. LSU's got to play well. Of course, they got to play their best game of the year, but they've got to play their best game. Early in the game, they can't fall behind thirteen zip, seventeen zip. They can't do that. They've got to. They've got to make Tennessee go. Uh oh, this we're in for a sixty-minute fight here. Uh, so LSU's got to start good. Um, and, and if they do that, then you know that old magical Tiger Stadium. But you know, when you you were in the in in the seats twelve years ago, it it, it gets kind of rowdy, uh, and that that can help. So so we'll see. But I'm I'm intrigued with it as well, man. I really am. So. Uh, here's hoping that your Saints pick is right, and here's hoping that LSU and Tennessee play the game that we both think they will. But Larry Holder of The Athletic, outstanding as always. Welcome back. And uh, is there anything better than the beach late September? It's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's just perfect, isn't it? Uh, it was, a per- yes, absolutely perfect. And I, it's, it's, it's not often I get to uh, jump away uh, for, yeah. for a trip like that. So, uh, but I had, like I said, I had to be back Sunday because uh, – Right. NFL got work called. Yeah, exactly. I actually had to work. <laughs> it's it's hard to leave though, man. It's hard. Larry, enjoy the weekend, buddy. Thank you. All right, Jordy. We'll talk next week, bud. You got it, my friend. Larry Holder of the Athletic. Final timeout of our number one. We'll be back to wrap it up after this here on the Jordy Holtberg Show. Jordy Holtberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your soul go. Just let it shine through. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. All right, baseball update. St. Louis, Philadelphia, bottom of the sixth. Cardinals at bat, runner at first, no outs, scoreless tie. We'll see if the Redbirds can push a run across, and uh, runs are at a premium. Coming up, hour number two after the top of the hour sports update, Adam Spencer, Saturday Down South, George Faust, KLFY, George Becknell, James Mesh, and myself will make our fearless picks. It's a busy second hour on this fun-filled Football Friday. We'll be back. The Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 
1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go on this happy Friday, October 7th, the year 2022. Cardinals had runners at first and second. Albert Pujols up to bat, hits a soft grounder to third, an easy 6-4-3 double play. Uh, And then the uh, Cardinals uh, fan... And, and still, at the end of six, scoreless in the NL wild card, Philly, St. Louis. Philly coming to bat top of the seventh. Cleveland wins their opening game over Tampa Bay, 2-2-1. Two, two, All right, we've got a busy, busy weekend of SEC football. Adam Spencer kind enough to join us from Saturday down south. Adam, how the heck are you, buddy? Well, uh, I'd be a lot better if the Cardinals could score some runs here, Jordy. Um, I'm, I'm a Cardinals guy, as you probably guessed from uh, being a Mizzou yes. guy, too. So uh, yes. I'd like to see some offense here from somebody in this game. I am I am the biggest St. Louis Cardinal fan, so we're, we're hanging in there together on this one, big guy. All right, let's talk about some of the games in the SEC uh, this week of significance. I'm I'm really curious, Arkansas at Mississippi State, is it true that is it Mississippi State's a nine-and-a-half-point favorite in this? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a little high. Um, you know, the just based on what we saw from, from Mississippi ah. State against LSU earlier this year, um, you know, I just, I just don't know that this is a team that blows out great, opponents uh you know I, I still think that mississippi state should be the favorite in this game absolutely um yeah. but <laughs> nearly 10 points uh, i'm not i'm not necessarily buying that um you know and i think that uh like i think will rogers deserves more heisman hype than he's been getting like he's he's thrown for 19 touchdowns and three interceptions this year like he's been incredible yeah but uh oh. you know i just i just think that uh you know even with even if Arkansas doesn't have KJ Jefferson, like they still have enough playmakers on both sides of the ball to keep that thing within ten points, absolutely. Yeah, Jefferson sat out the end of last week's loss to Alabama after banging his head on the turf during a sack. Um, Sam Pittman says it'll be a game time call in Starkville. So the point spread has moved nearly a full touchdown in state's direction since opening up at minus three. Um Backup quarterback Kate Fortin or redshirt sophomore Malik Hornsby. I don't know. I don't know in, anything about him uh, other than that. But if they don't have KJ Jefferson, they got no shot against Mississippi State, right? Uh, I mean, you know, they can do a lot of the same things that they do with uh, KJ with that combo. It's just going to be a little more obvious. Like, like Kate Fortin looked okay passing the ball against Alabama, um, and. You know, Mississippi State has a good defense. They just don't have an Alabama level defense. Right. Um, and then, and then Malik Hornsby, he's a good runner. The problem is just that, like, 
if you bring in Malik Hornsby, like the defense is going to be keying on the run. If you bring in Cade Fortin, they're going to be like, okay, well, here comes the pass. So, you know, that's that's the difficulty is that KJ Jefferson gives you all that in one player. So you can't like you can't defend against one particular thing because he can do everything. Um, so, but like I do think that they can run ninety percent of their offense with those two guys in there, um, it's just going to be a lot more obvious what they're trying to do. Adam Spencer, Saturday Down South. It was a year ago where Texas A&M was 3-2. and two. They had um, the same looming question mark at the quarterback position. They had the same kind of speculation over Jimbo Fisher's job security, and they were coming off a bad loss to Mississippi State, and the season was already a lost cause. And all they did the following Saturday is pull off the biggest upset of the year as an 18-point underdog and beat Alabama. Now, granted, that was in College Station. Now it's going to Tuscaloosa. Uh, Bryce Young's status is still a mystery. He's listed as day-to-day by Nick Saban. And yet the point spread is still at 23.5 points in favor of Alabama. What does that tell you? That tells me that uh, Texas A&M can't move the ball. I mean, they're going to be without Max Johnson. Like that seems yep. pretty certain at this point. Right. Um, and and the offense was looking okay under him, as opposed to bad under Haynes King. So you know that that's that's what uh, that's what you know I think. But I want to I want to ask you your opinion on last year's uh, Texas A&M. Like they beat Alabama, obviously, and then they went on to finish eight and four. So you know something. I write a mailbag for SBS every mm-hmm. week and one of the questions a few weeks ago was would you rather go eight and four and beat your biggest rival or would you rather go 10 and two and lose to your biggest rival so like, let's, say, let's, say, let's say lsu you know would you rather beat alabama and finish eight and four or would you rather go 10 and two like what where's, where's your take on that Jordan? give me give me 10 and two every every That's day of the week it, and twice exactly. on sunday yes exactly when you can get to that 10 win mark like that special to me and like and like be, and it's because Mizzou doesn't do it a whole lot <laughs> but uh you know I, I think that uh, I think that like if you're a, like if you're a Texas A&M it, it you got to get to 10 wins like the, like they can't like and now they have to beat Alabama if they're going to get to 10 wins in the regular season so now they've made it even tougher on themselves and like yeah. I just don't like it, it's it's not a good situation and I don't think people fully realize how hot Jimbo Fisher's seat might be. Like, I don't think he's going to get fired mid season because his buyout's 95 million right now, but it drops to 85 million at the end of the year. And if, and if these, if like there's two schools that can afford that kind of buyout and those two schools are Texas and Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if he, if he goes eight and four or seven and five, let's say like there's going to be a lot of heat on Jimbo Fisher before the 2023 season kicks off. I mean, it's just, it's absurd, Adam, that a guy could fail at his job and get $85 million to just go away. What has happened to this profession? I think we're in the wrong business, Jordy. Yeah, I mean, I I don't understand it. (laughs) How this can come about like that, it's just, it is ridiculous, um, the monopoly money that these schools are playing with. It's Not only is it going to be 
85 million to Jimbo, but he's got all these assistant coaches that are going to have to pay off as well. I mean, it's, it's well, I mean, it's out of control. It's ridiculous. I don't know what the answer is, but holy cow, crazy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, when you have a school like Wisconsin, even paying nearly $20 million to get rid of its head coach that has won like 72% of his game, like that's just, it's, it's wild. And it's, it's, uh, it's, there's got to be like a tipping point at some point. I mean, we saw it, you know, just recently here to not to go all economics on your uh, on your listeners here, but we just right. saw it with the housing market bubble. Just uh, you know, finally seems to be slowing down a little bit. Um, yeah, but the buyout market has to go down at some point, right? Yes, I mean it's these agents that are holding these athletic directors and presidents at gunpoint. It's out of control. I'm waiting for a president and the AD to say, no, we're not going to pay that. This is what we're going to pay. Take it or leave it. Period. Right. And once, the, once the first school does that with a big name coach, like, you know, once, once a school starts Absolutely. succeeding with a coach that doesn't have a massive buyout, like that's going to change the direction of the sport. I think it's just going to be, who's going to be the first guy that like signs a deal that doesn't have that sort of insane buyout and like, right. What, because his not, agent's not going to be named Jimmy Sexton, I'll tell you that much. All right. All right. I'm not saying that Jimbo Fisher isn't motivated, but seriously, if I fail and get $85 million, have I really failed? I mean, seriously. It's crazy. Anyway, and, enough about economics. Um, Alabama <laughs> wins, covers it, covers the spread? I, I do think so. I think that even if – and it sounds like there's a report out there that uh, – that they're going to hold Bryce out. that just came out. Um, but, and I think that's the right move. Um, Jalen Milrow though, like he, he brings a different dynamic to the offense. You know, they have a little bit of, like we saw it like in real time, like it took him a yeah. few, it took, it took Bill O'Brien a few drives to get in a groove calling plays for Milrow. But once he did, like that's when we saw these big explosive running plays. And like, absolutely. That's what Milrow brings is that he brings, he brings the like when when Bryce Young does a RPO like it, there's like a five percent chance that he keeps the ball and runs it and Jalen Milrow runs an RPO there's like a fifty percent chance that he keeps it and runs it so like it's an entirely different offense and like you have to really honor the quarterback run more than you do when Bryce is back there running it so I, I think that he really opens up Jameer Gibbs and I think we saw that in the second half last week so. You know, I, I think that we're going to see a big, big week from the from the Alabama running game, and, and uh, I'm excited for that. Yeah, I, I think Alabama rolls. The biggest game, the best game of the day is Tennessee at LSU. Tennessee's offense is on track for, for a, a really one of those special years, first nationally in total offense, tied for second in scoring, uh, fifth in yards per play. I guess that, that's what Josh Heupel was, was hired to do and to deliver. And and he has um, eleven o'clock in Tiger Stadium. What are your thoughts? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, as you know, down there, uh, eleven a.m. kickoff. Like, what are we doing here? You know, why is Georgia, <laughs> why is Georgia Auburn yeah. the the mid afternoon game? Like, give that one. I, I don't know. I'm more excited for Tennessee LSU than I am for Georgia Auburn. So I would rather Thank see you. that in the CBS 
time slot. Um, but you know, I, you you also know that LSU fans can get plenty rowdy by eleven a.m. You know, they'll just no carry doubt. it over from the night. They'll carry it over from the night before. Um, so, yeah. so I expect it to still be a, a big time environment. Uh, Tennessee's going to be without Cedric Tillman, but Brew McCoy has like really flashed in these past couple weeks. Uh, you know, he's he's really coming into his own there and showing why he was like a five star recruit. Um, so. You know, if, if LSU's secondary, LSU's defense has been playing really well this year. Um, and, you know, both of these quarterbacks, Hendon Hooker and Jaden Daniels, enter this game not having thrown an interception. Yep. So whoever throws their first interception in this game, that team, the team that snags the interception, would be my pick to win. I think it's going to be a really close game. Yeah. Tennessee's favored by three. Can you imagine? Um, you know, if LSU wins this one, what they'll be saying about Brian Kelly, they'll be at uh, five and one on the season. Um, but can you imagine if Tennessee were to win, uh, they'd be four and one, excuse me. If Tennessee were to win, they'd get to five and oh with Bama on deck. And can you imagine what next Saturday in Knoxville and Nayland Stadium would be? It'd be the biggest event in close to a generation for Tennessee football. Yeah, and I, I really think that uh, based on that, you know, I think the college game day missed its opportunity. They went for the Florida game, and I didn't think that that was a super great game. I thought that there were other intriguing matchups on that, that week's schedule yeah. that they could have gone to. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, you know, if, if if Tennessee manages to escape Death Valley with a win, which is no easy task, as we both right. know, like – been heading into that game against Alabama, like my goodness, that is tailor made for like a super rowdy game day crowd. But would they, would they really go back like twice in a month? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, if they want good ratings, uh, they they should give me a final <laughs> score: it's Tennessee true. at LSU. I've got Tennessee escaping with a thirty-four, thirty-one win. Wow, nail biter by three, as the odds makers have it. He is Adam Spencer, Saturday down south. Thank you, my friends. Always fun talking with you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jordy. I'll uh, talk to you next time. You got it, buddy. Have a great, great weekend. The Sweet Dough Pie Festival is coming back and serving up a slice of history and deliciousness. Every year, pastry chefs and home cooks vie to be crowned best in the Sweet Dough Pie Contest, where the public is the judge. And, of course, a large variety of pies are available for purchase. The Sweet Dough Pie Festival returns Saturday, October 29th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Grand Coteau Town Park in Grand Coteau. For more information, call 337-331-6352 or visit the town of Grand Coteau's Facebook page. James, take it away. One of the things I love about betting on the NFL is that I'm always finding new players or game props I like. And what's cool about FanDuel Sportsbook is you can combine these props with other bets from the same game to score an even bigger payout. Perfect for Sunday's game. I'll be taking the under on points scored for the Saints. I'll take an Alvin Kamara anytime touchdown while taking the Saints money line. Same game parlays are just one of the reasons why I bet with FanDuel. It's easy to register, easy to deposit, and easy to find your bet. And when you win, FanDuel will pay you your winnings fast. There's no feeling like nailing a same game parlay bet, so lock in your bet today on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers get up to $1,000 back in free bets if your first bet doesn't win with promo code KLWB. That's promo code KLWB. Make everyone more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP.
All right. Uh, well done. We'll be back with um, George Faust from KLFY after this time out here on the Jordy Helper Show. There's no better way to wrap up the work week than talking with the man regarded as the king of Acadiana sports media, KLFY sports director George Faust. It's time for Fridays with Faust here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Happy Friday, George. How are you, buddy? What's happening? Oh, not much. Just getting ready for a little Friday night football, you know, first and ten, going to get us all set up. And, uh, yeah, just uh, no Cajuns this weekend, so we're focused on the Tigers and the Saints. There you go. So a little respite from the Cajuns. They play Wednesday up at Huntington, West Virginia, against the thundering herd of Marshall. You know, uh, we'll get back on track, but – I remember being in my coach, Dale Brown's office, and we were visiting. And um, I said, Coach, I'll see you later, man. Thanks. Good catching up with you. And he said, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I want you to um, want you to stay for a minute. I got somebody coming in here. I want, to, I want you to, to meet him and introduce yourself to him. I said, well, okay, who is it? He goes, uh, Matthew McConaughey. I said, what, what's, what's he doing coming here? He said he... He's in some movie. He's acting like he's going to be a coach. And he asked me if he could um, pick my brain about how to motivate and, and how I motivated and, you know, my mannerisms and all that stuff. And at, and I didn't know at the time that he was going to be in the movie. We are Marshall. So there you go. Long yeah, story short. That's all. How about that? that yeah. That, that, nice guy. Cool. That's pretty cool. Nice guy. A little well, goofy. That, that, look, I, one for one, let me tell you my story. When I in the Saints uh, NFC Championship game in New Orleans, I'm yeah. sitting behind Kenny Chesney, Jimmy Buffett, Avery Johnson, Ronnie Lott, and I'm like, did they put me in the right section? <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? And then I and then I went to the bathroom, and Jimmy Buffett goes, hey, uh, where's the bathroom? And I said, right here. And he goes, all right. And so I I. Took a whiz next to Jimmy Buffett at the Saints NFC Championship game. <laughs> George Faust. <laughs> First time in the history of my radio world that I've ever heard the W-H-I-Z word <laughs> spoken. Hey, <laughs> you got to keep it clean. It's I understand. Off of school, you know? I understand. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. It was, it was just a, it was a funny story. That's a, that is a funny it. story. That's very good. I got all kinds I can tell you off the air, but I'll, I'll sure. save that. I would love to know. We love right. to, uh, let's put, get let's talk about some high school football. Week six, the game of the week has to be. I don't know if this is going to be y'all's, but the best game has to be 5-0 and Turlings Catholic at 5-0 and Westgate. I mean, this is a this yeah. is um, a powerhouse, and it's the District 4A opener. Um, yep. This is a classic. Yeah, it, it has it written all over it. Obviously, Westgate, you know, one of these teams that's just continued to they win the state championship a year ago, and they continue to uh, uh, just prove that they that, that wasn't a fluke, and they have the talent to kind of keep things rolling. On the other side of that, you got Turlings, a team that uh, has has kind of you know jumped into this role as as the the number one team in this district or the most notable uh, undefeated team in the district because I think Westgate has kind of flew under the radar if that's possible but yeah. Turlings has kind of uh, been up front and they've had some big wins they beat Notre Dame they uh, they had uh, like 
so they're they're kind of out there, I guess, a little more a little more publicized, if you will. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely an interesting season uh, district opener for both schools. Uh, Westgate's got the athletes, they got the athleticism. We know that uh, Turlings, you know, they've got. We know they got, they have a connection in Preston Welsh and uh, 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 Kentrell Prejean. So uh, those two guys, if Westgate can shut them down. Uh, shut down Prejean, then they might have to rely a little bit more on the run. That might be a little bit of a problem uh, for the Rebels. But, uh, look, yeah, the, the Turlings, if they shut down Prejean, Turlings does have some other wide receivers. Bradford Kane, I think, is a is a guy who, who's who's a wide receiver that could kind of maybe fill, uh, be a little X factor maybe for, for the Rebels. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. That, that game, yeah, it's got it's – got, uh, marquee all over it, you know. That is a, yeah, that's a good one. Um, there's there's some other good ones on the slate. Um, I think Karen Crow at Lafayette, two four and one clubs. Um, yeah. this uh, this this is a good one. The Bears are already three and one. The Lions are two and one in district play. So a lot of momentum uh, as they head to the the strength of their schedules. But um, who do you like, Karen Crow at Lafayette? That's a good one. Yeah, that's going to be another good one. District three five A matchup now uh, that Karen Crow's jumped up to five A, and I, I look Lafayette High has has an offense that's I've seen them play a couple times this year. Now uh, they've got it. They've got a really solid offense. I think they're going to be able to score some points. I think what's going to happen is I don't know that they'll be able to stop as many people uh, and stop the, the Bears on offense. And I, I, I think the Bears eke out a win in this one. Uh, I, I like Karen Crow, Coach Tony Corville, and, and uh, he's got a quarterback who's, you know, Chance Caesar. He's a guy that, uh, you know, is, is relishing the opportunity to play uh, his senior season because he got hurt a year ago, wasn't able to uh, play, and, uh, and he missed that opportunity to start as a junior. And it really affected the, the, the Bears' uh, progress. And now he, he's back at it. And doing a great job, and so I think I just think the the Bears might have a little bit of an edge in that game. He is George Faust, sports director of KLFY. Any early thoughts on um, this raging Cajun club that's lost three in a row, heading up to to Marshall, who who beats Notre Dame and then goes and loses to Bowling Green in overtime? They've had an up and down yeah. and up and down, I, crazy you know, schedule. It's interesting because the Cajuns kind of know. Marshall a little bit. Obviously, they played him in the New Orleans Bowl, beat him in the right. New Orleans Bowl back in December. I, I think I, I think they're in two different places. I, it might be a good thing to get away and go go to West Virginia and, and, and get away from the noise good and point. stuff like that. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I just I, 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 they need a win. They're in desperate need of a win. Are the Cajuns yes, are so uh, they, they need and here's I'm not saying. That, that, that they made a wrong choice in head coach or anything like that. But what I am saying is I think they're doing all the right things. I think the results aren't coming to uh, to pass the way they want them to. So I, right. I, I think in order for Coach Dez to kind of, you know, go, look, I know what I'm doing here to the players. 
I think they need that win. I think it's a confidence builder more so than anything else because I think there's some one or two things that they're playing, uh, you know, they're doing in the game that's that's costing them the game, uh, whether it be field goal kicking, special teams, or it's uh, missing a tackle here or there. There's little right. things that are that are affecting that are having big effects on how the Cajuns perform, and so I, I think for Coach Dez. It's it's vital that they get a win, uh, you know, Wednesday night when they take on Marshall. Wednesday night, six thirty. I kind of put it along the lines of like Dennis Allen with the Saints. He's having trouble. <laughs> Everybody loves the assistant coach. All the players love the assistant coach. None of them like the head coach because the head coach has to be has to be tough and has to say things. It's hard for that assistant to come up to be the head coach. And bec- and take on that type of personality when all these players have seen him before. Like, hey, he's the good old guy. I can talk to him about anything. They can't talk to the head coach about anything. They're scared of the head coach. I think both of those guys are going through these uh, adjustments in their attitude and their approach in how to run a team. It takes time. I, I completely agree, and I, and I think Des is a good a, a good hire. I, don't get don't, don't get me wrong. I know. I, I know. He has the he has the uh, he has the knowledge and he has the the work ethic to make the team a winning you know program. So I, I, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that you know I think they need uh, a win to go look. All right, see we're doing the right stuff. You know, I, just for themselves as a confidence builder. You know, sure. I, that's 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 kind of the way I'm, I look at it right now. But but in order to do that, they've got to correct the mistakes that have been building over right. the last three weeks. Just like the Saints are doing the same mistakes week after week after week. Comes back to coaching. It comes back to the players. It comes back to accountability. It comes back to that fear factor. I better not make a mistake, or my coach is going to kill me. Um, and that's how it works. That's just that's how yeah. it works. And you you know yeah. that uh, by. Yes. Any stretch of the imagination. LSU, Tennessee, give me a winner. What do you think? Ooh, I, I actually, like, I, I, I call me crazy, but I actually think LSU, look, you you put a stat out there yesterday, I think it was, Jordy. What is it, 8-0 in 11, 11 a.m. games for the Tigers yeah. since 2000? Yeah. Is that, not is many that what against, that was? Not many against eighth-ranked teams in the country, though, but that's okay. But but are they really the eighth ranked team in the country? Was Kentucky well, really the seventh ranked team in the country when they lost to Ole Miss last week? And yeah, that's I that's understand. relative. So I, I I think I I really think LSU has a shot here. I mean, I, I call me crazy. Absolutely, but Tennessee's favored by three. Um, yeah, I, I just I just think LSU ha, is on an uptick here, and and they're they're kind of starting to figure things out under Brian Kelly. And say you know they they understand what he wants maybe a little bit more here. Okay. What we week five six of the, of the college football season. Uh, so I, I like the Tigers to win. I, I I do think it's going to be close. I think these games tend to be close. Uh, I, I think I don't think uh, Tennessee is eighth, but I also don't know uh, where LSU ranks. I mean I know they're twenty fifth in the polls, but how good a team they are. I think this will this will give us a good we'll kind of gauge out. of. How, how good LSU is. I, I, but I, I'll, I'll say the Tigers are going to win, uh, and it, it's going to be a close one, it, it, you know, less than seven. Okay. George Faust, KLFY, have fun this weekend, man. Thank you. Will do, Jordy. You too. Always a pleasure. All right. There we go. Thank you, George. 
Tune in next week to Jordy Holdberg for Fridays with Faust here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Jordy Holdberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, 37 minutes after the hour, my Cardinals from St. Louis score two in the bottom of the seventh. They now lead Philadelphia two-zip with the Phillies at bat, one out top of the eighth. Seattle puts three on the board in the top of the first. They lead Toronto three-zip. And uh, Cleveland beat Tampa Bay two-to-one in their first uh, game. All three wild-card series, best two out of three. Later tonight, San Diego takes on the New York Mets. It's my favorite day of the week, my favorite time of the day. It's time to bring in my good buddy George Becknell and James Mesh and have some fun. Hey, guys. George, how are you? Oh, I'm fantastic, brother. How are you? Good. Did either of you or did both of y'all see this um, this video that leaked out? Some, some Golden State Warrior um, film guy apparently – got paid by TMZ to leak the video of Draymond Green hitting Jordan Poole. I don't want to get in a fight with, with Draymond Green. Did you see that punch? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, Jordan Poole should have been in concussion protocol Man. after that punch. Draymond almost took his head off. James, um, would you have done that knowing you're going to get fired by your team, but you're going to get $2.6 million? Would you have leaked the video? Mm. Probably not. the The money is very tempting, but no. Nah. Bro, they got warriors that's not making two point six billion dollars. <laughs> Show me crazy. the money. That's crazy. All right, let's get to some game action here, boys and girls. Let's start off in college football. If you had told me TCU and Kansas would be one of the major games of the week this late in the season, I'd say, "Are you crazy?" Um, Kansas, the basketball school, the reigning national champs, and now they got a football team. Well, George, that, that's the truth. Both teams raked in the top 25. Who do you like, TCU at Kansas? Well, I, I don't think Kansas has been impressive. I think they got, like, some weak wins. TCU last week against Oklahoma threw for over 300 yards and ran for over 300 yards against Oklahoma. They've been That was impressive to me. So I'm going to take the Horn Frogs because Kansas, at the end of the day, like you say, is a basketball school. Less miles than eating grass up there no more. Give me TCU in the wind man less miles nowhere to be found uh james you like rock chalk jayhawk or the worst uh, it's a scary looking little mascot the horned frog <laughs> it, it is kind of scary to be honest but yeah. i don't know to me I'm, I'm gonna stick with kansas on this one until they start really losing i'm gonna just ride with the hot hand all right um why not why not ride with rock chalk jayhawk one more time all right we saw utah uh, lose their opener at Florida. They've they've since gone on, and the Fighting Chip Kellys of UCLA, under the radar, are undefeated, undefeated. So, James, in the Rose Bowl, will they have more than two thousand people there, and will UCLA win it? 
I think there will be more than 2,000 people, but I'm going to take Utah in this one. I, I like their team over on their defense or something else. All right. Uh, George, what do you think? So I'm not sure about the 2,000 people because that stadium is empty. <laughs> empty, but, isn't it? <laughs> it's like a ghost town. But I'm going to tell you this. I got three words for you. Dorian Thompson Robinson. That Boy, kid he can balls. Ball. Yeah, he can Does ball. he ball? Yeah. And he only has one interception on the season. So yeah. he balls out. He's got a good supporting cast, and he takes care of the football. Chip Kelly might be on to something. And you know what, Jordan? He might be back. Give me UCLA to beat Utah in this game. He, he was good when he had Marcus Mariota at quarterback when he was at Oregon and got him to the league. He's got a really good quarterback now. That's what makes his system work. Give me Chip Kelly and the Bruins to yep. remain undefeated. Three good ones in the SEC. Arkansas, is uh, K.J. Jefferson going to play or not? They're not saying he's a game-time decision. And they have to travel to Starkville to take on Mississippi State. George Becknell, who do you got? Give me Mississippi State. I mean, Arkansas is a dumpster fire right now. <laughs> and Will Rogers is playing well. That defense is playing well. I, I think Mississippi State is a very good football team. So I'd like them to take care of business at home in Starkville. So let's go Bulldogs. Bulldogs. All right, James, what do you think? I'm leaning that same way. I'm really feeling Mississippi State right now. That offense, oh, so good. While you're going to have to deal with an injured quarterback with K.J. Jefferson for Arkansas, not looking good. Too much for Arkansas to go back on the road after getting banged up and, and, and giving everything they had and still falling way short of Alabama. Give me uh, Mike Leach and uh, Mississippi State all day long. All right. This is one of those times. I don't hate any team. I really don't. A lot of people around here hate Alabama because of Nick Saban, and, you know, he left, and he's a traitor because he's at Bama, and they're just jealous of all his success. Boy, Jimbo Fisher is the whipping boy of everybody. Bama's going to win, but do you want Bama to destroy Texas A&M, George Becknell? Absolutely, I want Bama to destroy <laughs> Texas A&M. Like, Texas A&M, they're like the new rival. Like, like we hate Texas A&M now. Like, it just is what it is. So, and then Jimbo's kind of got it coming to because you think about it, Texas A&M beat Bama last year. Yeah. They're falling apart this year. Yeah. Jimbo had called out Nick Saban during the summertime for the NIL stuff. Nick Saban is over there salivating at the mouth. They're falling apart. Nick Saban is going, like, I don't care if Bryce Young plays or not. This is going to be a yeah. beat down. Yeah. I can't wait. And I want LSU to beat Alabama, but we'll get to that later. But I'm going <laughs> to say this. What I'm waiting for after this beat down, I want to see the post-game handshake. That's Ooh. what I want to see. Yeah, yeah. They'll but have Bama's one. You'll win. see. They'll have one. That won't, that, in my humble opinion, that won't be anything. But all I know is Bama's, Bama's second-string quarterback it. is a five-star recruit, and so is A&M's, but he's not very good. Uh, so anyway, um, James, does Bama roll, tide roll? I think they do. I mean, even if you don't have Bryce Young, I think that, that team overall is scary. And with Texas A&M struggling on offense, I mean, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, it's going to be tough for them to get to double digits. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, Bama's defense is starting to come into into form. Um, and 
And yeah, I think I think they exact a lot of revenge from a year ago when AM thought they had won the world the world championship by beating Alabama. And and now it's the tide's turn. It's gonna give you a nasty environment there and Jimbo. Whew. But hey, Jimbo, just make it through the season. If they fire you, you get 85 million. I, I, that just, just doesn't make sense to me. I, but anyway, all right. The major game, of course, Tennessee at LSU. George, we've talked about it all week long. We've uh, ad nauseum about the pros, the cons, the strengths, the weaknesses, the 11 o'clock, all that stuff. Your final take on LSU hosting Tennessee. Well, I personally, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I'm pretty sure LSU has a higher winning percentage as of late when they play during the day than at night, even though yeah. we enjoy night games. Yeah. So that's going for the Tigers. Look, the passing game has struggled, but the only thing worse than LSU's passing game is Tennessee's passing defense. Yeah. So I know you look at the Tigers last week under Brian, under Brian Kelly, they've gotten better every week. And then Seven Banks gets hurt. You can tell the team is shell-shocked. Yeah, Brian Kelly rallies the team. They win in a hostile environment after being down 17-0. I like this LSU football team, not just because they're the Tigers, but I think they got something good going. If they mm-hmm. come out fast, they're going to beat Tennessee, and they're going to beat them by two scores. So I got the Tigers Ooh. handling business Double at digits. home. Yes, 14 wow. points. Wow. Okay. I like it. James Mash, something tells me I don't think you're going to agree with that. I would love for a two-touchdown win by LSU, but for me, I'm going to have to uh, – I'm leaning towards Tennessee with this one, unfortunately. I want LSU to win, but I feel like with how Tennessee is, I've been worried about how slow of starts LSU's had. That, that, that'll that put them in a bind. I'm, they're going to have to make another late comeback, but I feel like it's going to be like one of those 31-27 games. All right, close. A nail-biter all the way. Um, I'm I'm trying to be a professional here and bet with my head and not my heart, but in games like this, i got to go with my heart. (laughs) Just give me LSU. uh, The the sellout crowd, it's going to be a great atmosphere. I don't care what time of day it is. Trust me, that place is going to be rocking. LSU fans will, will hit the sauce early and often. They'll be ready to go. Just give me LSU in this one. I'm uh, I, I'm I'm sold on Brian Kelly. I just am. I think you know the adjustments they make, the way they fight, the way they last. They don't give up. They don't give in. Um, and the last time Tennessee went on the road, they were at Pitt. They um they beat them in overtime. And Pitt Stadium is nothing, nothing compared to Tiger Stadium. So. The noise factor, the all that. Give me te- give me LSU to win this thing. Um, close. The Tigers win it by three. And uh, a field goal late. It won't be like Will Lutz with the double doink. This one will go through the uprights <laughs> and LSU will win. All right, let's uh, let's go to the NFL real quick. Only, only one unbeaten team in the NFL. That's the Philadelphia uh, Eagles. They travel to Arizona to take on uh, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. George... Does Philly make it 5-0? and Absolutely. I, I don't know who that is, that quarterback that Philly got, but it's not Jalen Hurts. Because I, <laughs> I, I don't know what this guy did over the offseason. He looks he like Brady worked. back there. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, have you did you see the improvement this brother made? So, yeah, as long as he's playing like that, nobody beats Philly. So, give me Philly. 
Philly's got a good defense, and that yeah, he's playing great. James, what do you think? Can the Eagles go on the road and continue their streak? His uh, Jalen Hurts, he had changed his throwing motion over the offseason, so I, I think you got to attribute a lot of his success to that. For me, I wonder how much them going from the East Coast to farther West will affect them. Uh, I kind of get that feeling that as weird as this, this whole season has been, you're only down to one undefeated team left after going into week five. Uh, I feel like as wonky as it's been, we're going to have no more undefeated teams, and I'm going to just go oh, on a limb and take the Cardinals. Arizona. Arizona, James, picks to upset the Eagles. Give me Philadelphia. Um, defense is good. Quarterback is good. Coach is good. Um, it won't be easy, but I still think the Eagles will win. Um, the Dallas Cowboys at the L.A. Rams. The Rams are four-and-a-half-point favorites. They're playing on a short week. They looked awful. In losing to the 49ers on Monday night, is Cooper Rush all that in a bag of bag of, uh, of nuts at quarterback? Does he keep this thing going? He's won three straight as the quarterback. George, does Dallas go west and beat the Rams, who don't look like anything like they used to be? So Cooper Rush is not all that in a bag of chips, but he is serviceable. And the Dallas Cowboys defense has been lights out. And look, the Rams are terrible. The Rams are fool's goal. They're not making the playoffs this year. So Ooh. give me Dallas to beat the so-called defending champions. All you so give me the Cowboys. You, you double-team Cooper Cup. Who else does Stafford throw the ball to? Nobody. Got, he, nobody. He's, he's not on the same page as Allen Robinson. Mm -hmm. I, 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 you know, Van Jefferson has been suspect. All that it, tells me not is good. Uh, Odell Beckham's stock keeps going up and up, James. Who do you think, Cowboys or the Rams? Cooper Rush is playing like he was Teddy Bridgewater with the Saints and trying to get himself a new contract with a different team after this year. Exactly. Uh, I'm going to take the I'm going to take the Cowboys. Yeah, give me the Cowboys on this one. I don't like what I see in the Rams. I I just don't. don't. Um, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. They started 0-2. They've righted the ship. They're two and two. They got to go to Baltimore to take on Lamar and company. George, yeah, like the Ravens or the Bengals. As much as it bothers me, I got to go Ravens in this one. You know, I love my boy Joe Burrow, but they can't protect him. And, and the two wins have been against a two-a-list Dolphins and the Jets. So I, I like, even though they swept Baltimore last year, I like Baltimore to take care of business at home. All right. James, you getting you betting against <laughs> Joe Burrow? It's hard for me to bet against them. I feel like with the Ravens, at some point, they're going to have to win a home game. I think they've lost like eight or nine in – home games in a row but really yeah it, it's weird I, rem I remember looking at it whenever they were playing buffalo they had, they had that uh, little stat pop wow. up on the screen so that's crazy i think i'll have to go with joe burrow i think the offensive line is starting to get it together we saw a lot of improvement out of them when they played miami last thursday first one to 35 wins in a shootout and i'm going with joe burrow and jamar chase and the cincinnati bengals last but not least Seattle at New Orleans. George, give me something on this one. Well, if you looked at the Saints last week, they, they moved the ball well with Andy Dalton in the second yeah. half. Yeah. I think that I think that starts out early because Andy is this official that he's starting. I like the offense with Andy Dalton. The Saints will be able to run the ball. The Saints defense has played well, and Geno Smith is on the other side of that team is on the other side of the field. So give me the Saints in this one to finally show us who they really are. Okay. So I think the Saints win this by 10. All right. James. 
I'm taking Saints. I mean, if it's not now, I mean, it almost feels like when. When are you gonna do it? I know that I know Seattle's been Seattle's got a couple of good wins yeah. against some some underrated teams. Broncos have been underperforming, but it, they've looked pretty solid. Geno Smith he has not written back to anyone, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Saints in this one because it's at home and you got to win at home at some point. It's time for Geno Smith to wake up. He's been in this fairyland dream world in the first four games. He's played really, really well. Uh, Superdome's going to be alive and well, and Geno's going to come back to being Geno, why he was a backup for a while, um, and the Saints will roll on this one. So thank you, guys. There's our fearless forecasting of picks, and we'll see how we rate uh, after this weekend. George, thank you. James, thank you. We'll be back to wrap this bad boy up after this final timeout. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, that was a fun, fun show. One out, top of the ninth. Cardinals, two, Philly, zip. Two outs away from taking a one-zip lead in that best-of-three series. Seattle leads Toronto, three-zip, top of the third. Cleveland beat Tampa Bay, two-to-one, still to come. San Diego at the New York Mets, who led the NL East for every day of the, the year until the end, and Atlanta passed them up. So um, we'll keep you updated on that. If today is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. He's sitting out waiting. You share your birthday with 30-year-old Mookie Betts of the L.A. Dodgers. Special thanks to Koki Riley of uh, the Daily Advertiser, Larry Holder of the Athletic, Adam Spencer, Saturday Down South, George Faust, KLFY, George Becknell, and James Mesh. James, thank you for all you do. I hope everybody has a great weekend. I hope all your teams win Come on back Monday, same time, 2 to 4, same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We'll recap it all. Until then, I'm Jordy Helpert. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Be kind to one another. And let's all be happy. Have a great weekend. Bye now.